0: And I don't know, but we serve a God. He is about a movement. God, he is so wonderful. and so amazing. And today, I know God wants to pour into somebody today. You came to church empty. You came to church discouraged. You came to church angry and frustrated. God wants to pour into you. God wants to do a miracle, to perform a miracle in your life today. Amen. And we just have to allow him. We got to let God loose in our lives. Too many times we box him in, we cage him in, and we just got to let him loose. Let God do what only he can do. Amen. Amen. We have seen God perform some miracles in the past. Is our dear sister Erica Brown here? I want you to come to the mic, sister Erica. We're serving a miraculous God. Amen? About seven months ago, our sister could not even move. She was neutralized. But we serve a God that is able Erica wants to speak to the church.
1: <laughs> Good morning. I'm going to probably stumble through this, but all right. I'm going to do my best. Mm-hmm. Good morning, church family. I'm going to try to do this without crying. (laughs) It has been over six months since my stroke, and I wanted to get up here and personally thank you. I'm told that your love and support was amazing during my hospital stay. The doctor said that I had a high blood pressure related stroke. That is crazy to me, (laughs) because I never was diagnosed with high blood pressure. I try not to, but I always ask myself, why me? I know God has a reason for everything he does, and this is no different. I now know that I'm a testimony to God's greatness and mercy.
2: Amen. Praise the Lord.
1: I would not be here if it was not for all of you and all of your intercession of prayer on my behalf. Thank you. I don't know who God wants me to tell, but I will tell everyone. has been extremely good to me. I feel real close to my old self. I'm almost there.
2: Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Watch out now. Amen.
1: (laughs) I'm able to do most of the things I did before my injury. I do still have some memory problems, but that's getting better too. Amen. Mm. Amen. When I come to church, I feel like some of you don't know what to say to me or don't know how to react to me. I'm telling you I would love to visit with you and talk to you. I'm back working. I only have two clients, but it's enough.
2: <laughs>
1: Amen. And I do have some free time on most days, so please call me to talk. or We can arrange a visit. I wanted to come up and tell you that I love you all and I appreciate all that you've done for me and my family.
2: Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, sister. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Now, I've been trained in active listening. And I want to say this. When Erica was in the hospital, the whole church was in the hospital. We had to bar the doors and say, no more visitors. Everyone, you took up the entire parking lot of the hospital, (laughs) and you showed showed the love. And this is the time that I, I believe as a church we need to even pour as much as we were pouring out the love before, we need to continue to pour it out. Amen? In this recovery time, you know, uh, she is getting back on her feet. Watch out. She's going to be torturing some of you guys that she has been training. You know, I'm going to be going to her soon, you know, and I'm I'm afraid. (laughs) But I want you to, you know, please, as a church, you know, keep her in prayers. You know, uh, sometimes when things are going good or seem to be going good, this is when we stop praying. My father always tell me that's when it's time to pray, right? Don't just pray when the dogs are chasing, right? You need to pray. You know, pray when there's a time of peace, right, to keep that. And so I want to encourage the church in that. You know, I've been encouraged uh, by this testimony, and I believe God has uh, great things in store for us. And as a church, we need to understand it's, it's not about us alone uh, we need to be connected, we need to be intertwined, we need to be together, amen? And so in everything that we're doing, we got to show love, and we got to just be there for each other. And thank you very much, Erica and, um, and Mike. Um, I have really been blessed by the testimony of your family, you know, and we're just so engaged and happy, my wife and myself, you know, we were just talking the other day, and we were saying, man, this church has a lot of love, has a lot of love. And if you're not feeling the love, well, I told you, report to me. I'll make sure that we will share it with you. Amen? All right. At this time, uh, last week, um, I dealt with the the topic, the topic uh, house cleaning, or the other topic is the cleansing of the sanctuary. Now, I want you to understand um, It was a very hard message for me to preach because I realized that there are things that are happening in this church that needs to stop. There are things that's happening within the household, within the family that needs to stop. And it is time for the men to stand up. It is time for us to be positioned in the right way. I'm hearing a little echo. Uh, I, it, it is time for us to really be there for each other. God, he has called us for this time, for, at this intersection for a purpose, and we can't drop the ball. If we drop the ball, I am telling you, I'm, it, it, is, it is over. And some of our young people and our children, they're watching us, and they're mimicking us. They're mimicking us. Have you ever gone to, I see a puppet show on the strings where that, you know, the, the, the puppet is lifting one, you know, one hand, the next hand, the head and everything? Our children are doing that. They're mimicking us. And we're training our children. We're training the next generation. And if we train them in the wrong way, watch out world. We have seen over the last year that this world has been churched out. They're not coming to church anymore. Many of our mainline churches, they're gone dead. They're gone off the grid. And it's because of us. And I want to say it starts in the home and I want to say it starts with fathers. Yes, we're coming up to Father's Day Uh, next week, uh, Sister McDavid. We're going to have a great celebration but it's all because of us. If the men do not stand up, if they do not stand up for their families, I am telling you our families will be at a disadvantage. Now I'm not saying you know, single with, um, mother homes and mothers, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job and praise God for you. If it were not for my faithful grandmother, uh, where would I be? Right, but I want to praise God for that. But I'm saying here, the men, I want to speak to the men initially for this five minute segment. In fact, this evening, I want to have all men come because we got to talk some frank discussion. We got to break things down. We have to look eye to eye, mono to mono, and we got to get things straight in the church. Amen? And so um, I remember, remember the text I shared with you last week in Ezekiel chapter 8. In Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 11, we saw that these men, these holy men of God, these men that was called out of the world and called to stand for God, these elders, we saw these men. They were standing, and they were standing up in the house of God. But they were, they were their backs were turned, they turned uh, to the sun, and their backs were turned from the church. They were not in the church. They were playing around, and we see that these men in verse eleven. It says there these seventy men of the ancient house of Israel. They, uh, they were looking, and uh, one stood up among them, Janazah, Jezana, I always get this word, Janaza. right, the son of Shaphan, uh, which with every man his censer in his hand, and they were not praying to God. They were praying and to other gods. They were worshiping other gods, And they said unto them that they could do these things in secret. Nobody sees them. Nobody sees them. And they were just playing around and fooling around with God. And they didn't understand that God was watching. He was watching and not from a distance. He was right there with them. And these men... Back there in verse 16, And he brought him to the inner court of the house of God, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, there were five and twenty men, and their backs towards the temple of God, and their face towards the east, and they were worshiping the sun. They were doing that which was wrong. They were bowing down to the created And their backs were towards the Creator. They were near the church, but somehow the church did not have an impact on them. And I want to start, this is part B of last week. And I want to have a frank discussion with our church. It's very important for the men in the church to stand. I'm happy that that young man stood up because I'm asking all the other men to stand up. I'm asking all the men, even the gray-haired teenagers, I'm asking you stand up, stand up. Men, it is very important. It is very important for us to understand our role. The grandfathers in here, those who have gone through experience, it is for you to mentor and help the young men to live integrity in in a very strong way. It is very important for us to understand that you, the the life that you live, you have passed on a legacy for us as young men. And we are watching, and we are trying to see how to be a man, right? And if we fail in this generation, a curse is coming in the next. If we fail in this generation, this church will go down, and it will spiral over and over, way down where it should, from where it should be. And so God is depending on each and every one of us. It is time for us to be real. You know, too many times we set the bad examples in our home. No worship, no prayers, nothing in our home for our children to live by. It is time for the men, for all of us to recognize that we are, uh, we are influential. And so if you go around looking and chasing skirts, don't expect the young men not to do the same. They're going to be doing the same. If we are dishonest in our living, the young men are going to do the same thing too. It's important for us to stand up and stand up for principles. Amen. And this is what it's all about. And so God... He is speaking to us today, and there is a message for us as men. We got to take up that standard and live by it. Let it be real. We can't be fooling around. Too many times I'm talking to men, and they're thinking that, well, there's nothing that, you know, what I'm going through, the life that I'm living, you know, uh, my, my son, he could make his choice. But he's making his choice based on you. If you are a drug pusher, if you are a womanizer, if you are a wife beater, if you are all of that, right, don't expect your children not to follow. They will follow, and they will follow close by. And so I'm praying that the Lord will so empower the men if we have strong men in this church, I guarantee you we will have a stronger church. Amen. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. Father in heaven, I'm asking that you bless and anoint these men that's standing up here. We pray, Father, uh, that you will just help them. Help them to, that they will know that they represent their generation. And you have a calling upon their lives. I pray Father that we will not drop the ball that we will just allow your holy spirit to speak through us that we will be that man that God desire for us to be. Help us not to be like these ancient men that turned their backs on the temple and worshiping other gods. We just ask Lord for your anointing even as we open up this service Lord for this brief moment speak through me speak to us. Help us to make a difference even in this city that they call Sin City. Lord, please just show up here now and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I don't want to keep you long because I want you guys to go home, get a good meal, and come back out at 5 o'clock this evening. Now, listen up, everyone. Um, There's a problem that we're facing. And the problem that we face is that many of us are too many of us, we are locked into tradition. We're locked into tradition that has nothing to do with the Bible. And sometimes it, it just locks us, and God. As a friend of mine preached some years ago, God is boxed in. He is caged in. Or a sermon I preached uh, a few years ago, uh, which was entitled, God in a Box. We have God. Everyone have their own private interpretation of God in a box. And God cannot be contained. He is an omnipotent God. He is an omnipresent God. He is a God that is everywhere, omniscient. God, he knows all. He is powerful and he's everywhere. He's everlasting. This is our God. And if we don't understand what it's all about, this God, he came in down in flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, and came, God came down to show us the way. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But too many of us, we take God and we contain him in a box. Back then, they worshiped God in many different forms. They would take a, a very hard rock, and this became a God. And they bowed down to it walked into a store last week, uh, the week before, and I had to get my iPad serviced. And when I looked in the corner, I saw all kind of different things there and food and milk and honey and all kind of these different things in a corner. And I remember I studied um, world religions. I used to teach it. And I recognize, yes, that was a certain one of those eastern religions. And they set their altar within their store, in the corner, to their gods. And they had a big Buddha with a big belly, crossing his legs, golden, and smiling away. Right? And they had all of these things laid out to their gods. I'm telling you, man over the years have taken God and try to contain him in these objects. Some people wear chains around their necks because they think that it's a lucky charm. It wards away demons. So if a demon is attacking you, lift your chain. The demon will run. (laughs) Not in this day and age. The demon will attack you even more. Right? Right? Because God cannot be contained in a, in a little cross. He can't be contained. Uh, some of us, we go to the voodoo priests for protection. You know, they do their rituals and everything. A baby is born or what have you. And uh, they do go to their obia rituals and all of these. Obia is Jamaican version of voodoo, whatever. And so they go to that and they're worshiping. These strange gods, limited. But I want you to know that our God that we're serving, he is not limited. He is not contained in a box. He is not to be worshipped as they would take a tree and they worship that tree. And that becomes their God, one nation after the other. Another, in America, God becomes this, the money. Show me the money, that's my God. And a lot of people would say it blatantly, Give me the money. That's my God. I'm not worshiping anything else. And some of us, even as Christians, that's saying that, well, we worship one God, and that is Jesus Christ. I was baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's who I worship. But the way you live shows that you're worshiping this denario, money. Huh? This largent en Francais, right? You, you have to understand... We become a slave to some of these things, and we're worshiping it. Anything that we make greater than ourselves become our God. Some of us, we turn around and we're worshiping Bill. Bill's, right? Nevada Energy, right? Or the Water District, right? We're worshiping Bill's. We We contain, we take God and we put these things, and that's why some of us we say, Well, you know, I would love to come to church, but I have to go to work. And so work becomes greater than God. When God, as we sung before, He is our deliverer, He is our provider, He is our protector, He is our healer. It's always interesting when I used to be uh, in chaplaincy going around doing my rounds. I would come across atheists that don't believe in anything. But when that pain hits them so hard, hits them so hard, they make a request, you know, for the priests or the pastor to come and pray with them. Who are we praying to, sir? Are we praying to some unknown entity? You don't believe in God. But the pain comes down and man reaches out to something because it There is something in us that knows that there's someone out there. Logically, we know this. And so the text, as we look into this, as in the text, in the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 22 to 28. And I'm just going to tell you the story. I don't want to keep you too long i got to abbreviate this. And so we see here that uh, there was a problem. The Syrians, they believed somehow that the Israelites, their God was contained in the hills. They believed that their God was the God of the hills. And, And so they devised a plan. They said, we can't fight with these Israelites in the hills because we will be whooped. We are going to be defeated. And so they decided that we got to lure these people down, not in the hills, not in the hills, we got to lure them down into the valley. Uh, Because if we get them in the valley, our gods are in control in the valley. You see, the Israelites, God, they're the gods in the hills, but our God is in the valley. And so they planned this. And they did not learn their lesson. And I'm going to tell you, God had given them a lesson. He had given them a proper whooping, but they didn't remember. You know, as we said last week, you know, if you can't hear, you're going to feel. And so he was coming around, and when God heard what the Syrians' plans were, that they didn't get the message that, you know, I'm the king of the universe. I'm the God of all the earth. They didn't get that memo. Somehow these guys had translated this and they were trying to plan an ambush in the plains, in the valley, to get the Israelites, the people of God. And so when God heard this, it displeased God so much. God says, listen, I'm going to set things up. So he sent a message to his prophets in Israel he flew his prophet to the king of Israel and told them of what the Syrians were saying, that they think that I am just a god of the hills, but I'm not a god of the valley, and God said, I'm going to show them, and so God set this up, and when the Syrian army came down, they were like, I mean, sand of the sea, but the Israelites, they were like a little flock. That word, it, that little flock in the Greek is only found in that section there if you read the, the whole thing. And what it was, it was like Israel was just a little child among lions and they were everywhere. And so the scene was set. The Syrians thought that they had it worked out. They set up this ambush to take over the people of God. But God had something in store. If you remember, just take a pause there. If you remember, and you back up in two chapters back in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, I think it's around verse 13 onwards, we see that in that very chapter, Elijah was confronting those Baal worshipers. And those Baal worshipers... They were remember they cried out from morning until night for the fire to come down the fire didn't come down Elijah came he just said a simple prayer and that fire came down on Mount Carmel in the hills and burnt up the altar showing who the real God is right and that was amazing that these Syrians they took note and they said wait a minute hold on so that means God is the God of the hills you see back then in that time, and Israel got caught up in this whole thing, they believed in local gods. They believed that, you know, you you have your local gods, and so your god is, you know, you may have a a little god in this section, and so, you know, that god rules this territory. Another god rules this territory. Another one rules here and rules there. And so, my god, if we have many gods you know, fighting against one God, who is going to win? They thought that the many gods would win against the one God, right? But God showed up in many, many different ways. It says the the Syrians, even the Syrians, attributed the Hebrew bigotry um, tool um, defined uh, showing the understanding of the omnipotence. A lack of understanding of the omnipotence of God, uh, Jehovah. And they believed that there was a God of uh, Hebron, which they called the Baal of Hebron. They believed that there was a Baal of Lebanon. They believed that there was a Baal of the summit of uh, Zaphon. They believed that there was a, a Baal shaman who was the God of heavens and the God of the mountaintops and also a God of lightning and thunder. This is taken from the SDA commentary. But when you think of this, these guys had this puny view of God, a very limited view of God. They contained God in regions. They thought that God was somehow, you know, he doesn't operate in this way. Their God can't travel this way. But they didn't understand that the Israelites' God, he was the God of the universe. And God set this up, and if you read the whole story, there, all the Syrians, they were defeated in the plains. All of them were de- defeated and delivered over to the Israelites. And they were, I mean, it was, they were decimated. Now, they were battling in the time usually in the springtime, after the rainy season, there was always a time for battle in that region. And they thought somehow that they would have conquered, but God showed up and he showed out. I want you all, all to understand this. Many of us came to church today. You may have heard this story before, but you came to church in a limited way. You came to church thinking that, listen, God is not able to take care of my bills. God is not able to take care of my social needs. God is not able to take care of my financial needs, my spiritual needs. God is and we limit God. And when we do that, I'll tell you that angers God. He does not want to be limited. God is a universal God. He is a God of right across everywhere. And so we got to understand the importance of that. In the book of Isaiah chapter 1, verse uh, 10, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10, we see another uh, idea of this where, where we, as human beings, we take this idea that God is, is limited and we see here that God is speaking and he's speaking the rulers of Sodom and the people of Gomorrah. And in this region, Sodom and Gomorrah, remember they were rebellious people. These individuals rebelled against uh, anything that was called God and they were just doing their own things. And God was saying, listen, I don't want to bring I don't want to hear of your burnt sacrifice and your offerings and, and all of your the lambs and the goats and all of these things that you're... God says, I am sick of that. I am sick of the way you worship. I am sick of the way you set your feast days and you have all of these. I am sick of this. And God says, listen, I will not hear your prayers. I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it because I see that your worship is in vain. You're doing all of these things and it is in vain. And so if, if, if you're worshiping God and you're taking the things of the earth to be greater than God, what's the point? And it goes on. And in um, another text, you could read the whole context. I just explained it to you. If you read the whole context of that, but they're in in the book of um, Psalm chapter 66, verse 18. The Lord says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you regard sin in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. In 59... In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2, it basically says the very same thing. That, you know, the Lord cannot, there is no blessing. If, if you regard, take these things into your heart and regard iniquity, God is not going to hear you. Can you put Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2 on screen for me, please? Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. What is telling us that if we harbor, if we harbor sin in our lives, the Lord will not hear us. He will not, he will not hear our prayers. Anytime, anything that is, we know what we should do, but we don't do it, there is nothing that God will do for you. It's not that He doesn't hear, but there is that willingness of you yielding yourself fully to God, God is going to cut it off. And in this church, in our families, we may know God has called us into holiness. He has called us into righteousness. And somehow we refuse to listen. It's like a child, you tell your child what to do, and you, know, you encourage your child, and that child is disobedient. And rebellious against you. And going out and doing all of these bad things that they should do. You know, it it is, is hard for a parent to keep rewarding a child that is doing wrong. And if you're doing that, you are a bad parent. There's no bones about it. And this is what happens to us too many times. God has instructed us, and He has given us specific instructions. But here we are. We come to church, and we we have our burnt offerings. Yeah, we give our offerings. We come to church, and we give up our prayers. We pray, we sing, we worship, and we do all of these wonderful things. But then we go back to our sinning. Will God hear you? Will you be blessed? I'll tell you something I believe there is a curse upon many of our families even right now I believe that the devil is in many homes even right now the devil is waiting for you to come home for Sabbath meal and we invite him in And he is a part of your family. He is interwoven into into our family. And so, you know, and we say our grace, we bless our meal, but who are we praying to? We pray in the morning, but who are we praying to? If we are engaged in all of these prayers and all of these spiritual activities, but we are not living according to the standard of God, who are we living for? church we got to understand we're at a very critical time in earth's history and anything that can be shaken will be shaken and we are playing around as we say like russian roulette with our spiritual with our christianity and god has called us out of darkness into his marvelous life. He has given us his instructions in scripture. He has given us an opportunity and helped us to, you know, be a praying church, a praying family, a family that witnesses and reflects Christ, but somehow there is something happening in the mix that we are letting the devil into the back door. And I believe that there are spiritual possessions demonic possessions in homes. And this is why we need to have a family revival. Now, I feel like I'm a lawyer here standing before the court, and I'm convincing you. I am saying uh, I have observed the evidence. I have walked in the family. I have seen. And many of our homes needs to be exercised. You know what I mean? Talk, exercise. Exercise is where the demons need to leave. And if they don't leave, if they don't leave, our church will not advance. Will not advance. And I'm saying it is time for us right now in our homes. We need to start a revival in our home. We need to start a revival of primitive godliness in our homes. we got to clean up. Because if we don't clean up, there is no heaven. There is no heaven and there is only another place. There is no in-between or whatever it is. And we all have these nuances, these definitions and calculations. There is no in-between. The only other place is hell. I know that is unpopular. and Some of us don't want to hear this. But I'm saying, listen if we don't stand up for it, if we don't stand up for the right standard and to start living our lives according to the will of God, I'm telling you, this generation is gone. And furthermore, we're living in Vegas. I believe Vegas is the modern Sodom and Gomorrah. And if we are living in this place and we are not living holy lives, structuring our families according to thus saith the Lord what's going to happen? We lose. We lose. I would rather preach to a church of ten that is prepared to hit eternity with God living on the sea of glass rather than to a thousand is bowing to bail. And I believe that's what's happening. We're compromising. And we're losing our families right before tell you, your blood is going to be in my hands. And I'm telling you, church. And so what do we do? It's always that the solution is Jesus Christ. The solution is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ must enter back into your home.
2: You must have prayer in your home. You must take
0: that time, even if it's a five minutes, get the family together and pray. And Lord, Please, I'm asking you for a blessing throughout this day. Bless my daughter, Brianna. Bless my son, Dominic. Bless my daughter, Alexis. Bless my wife, Eva. And bless me, Father, that I may stand up as a man. I am the head deacon of this church. Help me to show my responsibility and anoint me and my family and that we may make a difference in Vegas. This is what it comes down to. we got to pray and anoint our families. And that little short prayer makes a difference in a day. But some families are not having it at all. Nothing. Lift the word. Study the words with your family. I believe when the word of God is lifted up and we open it in prayer, the devil cannot sit down for Sabbath lunch. I'm serious. This is not on my script. He cannot. It's time for God's people to stand. And if you have neglected it in the past, that's in the past. Praise God. You're here. You're here, guys. You're alive. That means a change could take place in your life. A divine movement can take. There could be a shift right now. Our God, we serve an awesome God, He is an awesome God. 24. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many homes today, today, I'm saying if you're standing in vain and you're going to stand today and knowing that you are not going to do it, you will receive a curse. If you're saying you're going to be standing for a sport to show that, hey, you know, I've got this down, I'm righteous, I'm, you know, and you know you're not going to do it, there will be It will be the opposite. A curse will come. But if you will say, Listen, I'm going to stand today. I'm going to stand today for God. And I want to say, My house. I'm the woman in my house. I'm the man in my house. I'm the boy in my house. I'm standing today for God. And I don't care what anybody may say. I remember I stood one day and I stood up in my house. And nothing was happening in my house. And I stood up and I said, could we not just have a time of prayer? Well, the man in the house that was in that house, he was insulted. He was cut to the heart because a boy stood up and said that, let's have time of prayer in the house. When God speaks, even if it's a child, we need to listen. Today, will you not stand for your house? Will you not stand and say, listen, I have a daughter, I may have a baby daughter, and she came under circumstances that, you know, it should have been better, but she is here. I'm going to stand for her. Yes. Right? I may, may not be married. But I have this child. I'm going to stand for my house. You may not have a child. But it's just you. That's your, your house. Will you stand? Why will he not move your family? Why will he not shift your family in the direction that it should be? I'm encouraging you, everybody. It is time for God's people to stand up for the right. Uncertainty certainty anymore. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I'm asking you to come forward. We want to include you in this final prayer. We do serve an awesome God and he can create a miracle in your life. Brother, sister, friend, you came to church today and God is calling you into a brand new experience come forward. We want to pray for you. We want you to receive an extra anointing only that God can give. Only he can do it. And so we want to lift you up to the Lord today. The Lord says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so you came to church today. Will you not come? We want to pray for you. We want to anoint you. We want you to be filled with with the holy spirit. Amen. You want to step out? You want to step out of this this whole world of confusion and you want to say, listen, I want to make a difference. I don't want to just exist. Some of us are just existing. We're just existing, serving our little gods. But we're not serving the God of gods. We're not serving God. That is everywhere.
2: But you want to say,
0: listen God, I'm going to make a difference. And I know you want to do it through me. I can't do it on my own.
2: But I want to step out. I want to surrender my life to Christ today.
0: The Lord is calling you. Final prayer, we want to pray for God's anointing upon your life. Upon your life. We want to make a difference in your family. Yes, you're standing up to take that Joshua pledge. But today, you want to surrender, make a Christ surrender. I say, that's it. I don't want to be under any control I don't want to be under weed I don't want to be under women I don't want to be under anything but God 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 and God alone church it is time this is not a show this is eternity. I'm asking you to come forward. Just come, press together, press together. We want to just hold our hands together, and we want to pray together. We want to pray for God's anointing upon your life. Amen. Come on, just come, come together, press together, press together, press together. Press together. Church, I'm asking you to touch someone's hand, hold your neighbor. Once again, before your flown, Lord, we know, Father, time is far spent, Lord, but we know you're coming back again, and you're coming back for a people, Father. Whatever is holding us back, Lord, whatever is holding and standing in the way of our blessing, Lord, please remove it. It may be us. It may be the way we think and the way we approach life, Lord. And I'm just asking, Lord, that whatever hindrances, Lord, please, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you will step into our homes now. Everyone that is standing, everyone that is standing in this room, And over there, listening online, wherever they are, Father, I pray that you will step into our families right now, Father. And whatever plans the devil has for our families, Lord, I pray, Father, that it will be erased. I pray, Father, that you return the curse of the devil on his head as you did in Mark chapter 5. Lord, it is time for our families to move. It is time for the men and women of God to stand up. It is time, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you will deliver us. I know some have been offended, Lord, by this message, Lord, but we want to thank you for your truth anyhow. I pray, Father, that you will please move into our homes, Lord, and help us, Lord, anything, Lord, that is holding us back, Lord, remove it. Those individuals that came up, Lord, you know their needs, Lord. You know, Father, that they need an extra blessing. And I pray, Father, that your anointing hands will be up on them, Lord. May you take their lives, Lord. Let it be consecrated only to you father and that you will move in this place move in their lives lord help those lord that is hooked and whatever it is lord that is not you release them even now father release that burden lord whether it be substance abuse lord whether it be sexual abuse or whatever the thing whatever it is lord just take control of your people once again lord Lord, we want to make a difference in Vegas, Lord. And we know that the only way is to be a spirit-filled Christian. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we will think differently. We will live differently. We will act differently. And that we will be child children of the King. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship and adore you. For you are worthy, you are worthy to be praised. Bless and keep us now and forevermore, we pray in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I want you to hug your neighbor. Tell them that you love them. Amen. Blessings, brother. God bless you. 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 you. Amen.
2: Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen.